know, God gives us golden retrievers so he can give us an example. <laughs> So, I'm a little emotional this morning, which isn't unusual for me because I'm always Brenda and I want to thank you all for praying for us. You know, to get a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer is a, it's kind of a, well, it's funny to say it's a life-changing experience because it's obvious, but it is. Even when it's not you that has the diagnosis. I talk a lot about harsh blessings. Things that God gives us out of His grace for our own good. Sometimes they're tough. The thing about this is it sort of removes a lot of the things that stand in the way sometimes in our conversations. It's kind of weird some of the things you talk about. For example, my mother in law saying to her sister, Now, when I'm gone, can you use my greetings? <laughs> hey, you know what? I was talking to Tyler about it. And he said, well, it kind of sounds like it's just somebody that's moving away. You know, you're going to pack their boxes, and they're going to load it up in the truck, and they're going to move someplace else. And, you know, that's really apt. Very apt. And so we thank you for your prayers. It's been, it's been a little uh, tiring, to say the least. But we've been so hungry to be here, because we've missed being with you. And so we thank you for the strength that that gives us. And the songs that you guys sang today just knocked us off. And so, this morning, I wanted to talk to you about Mark. Not Mark, but... (laughs) Well, okay, let's talk about Mark. Mark, you know what? When I was growing up, I always loved the fact that there was a guy in the Bible who was named Mark. I mean, I didn't know anybody else named Mark. I mean, it wasn't that uncommon of a name. But it was just so cool to have a book in the Bible that had your name on it. It's like, uh, you know, somehow I just borrowed that whole thing. And I just thought it was great that there's a Bible hero named Mark. And then I began, you know, as I grew and so forth, I, I kind of looked into the life of this guy. And I found out, dang. It wasn't Peter or Paul or he just wasn't any of those guys. He had some stuff. I said, dang, I also dislike it because I'm a lot like him. Well later I I also found out that his he had two names. He had a a Hebrew name which was um, Johanan. Johanna, it's, a, it's just a, the word that we've developed into John. A very common name. In every language has the name John in it. You know, there's Ivan, which comes from the same, if you think of it, Johanna, there's Ivan. It kind of fits. And, and uh, Johan, you know, is another way of understanding and experiencing that name. Um, when it got to the Emerald Isles, and the Celtics got a hold of that name. They they came up with this, this name that's, that's sort of similar. It's 
you <laughs> Oh my goodness! He has this other name, Mark. He has this, Johan. Mark Ewing. That just makes me sick. <laughs> I'm tired of it. And so, so I've always related a bit to him. I, you know, I, I wanted to know more about him. I wanted to kind of get a sense of who he is. And, and, and in studying for this sermon, I found out even something new about him that I never had heard before. He had a nickname. Stubby Fingers. <laughs> Good. Well, they're kind of stubby. Anyway, uh, Mark was this, this guy who I think it's important to know something about. He was a little bit hesitant about things. He was a little bit mm, slow to dive in 100%. And, and he, he wrote, really, uh, according to most of the scholars, he wrote the first gospel. He was the first one to write down the things that had taken place in the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, he's, he wrote briefly, uh, as compared to the other gospel writers, but he also wrote very, uh, well, no other way to say it, he wrote with some immediacy. Some urgency. In fact, the word that he uses more often than any other is the word immediately. You know, he'll tell one thing about what took place, and he said, and immediately after that. Or he'll explain something that Jesus taught, and he says, immediately after that. He'll, he'll describe somebody that was either healed or, or touched by the life of Jesus, and he says, and immediately they went. Just over and over, starting about immediately, immediately. And because he wrote briefly, they say that the things that were there in his book are important to grasp because he didn't waste a lot of words on extraneous information. And so in chapter 14, he's writing about the arrest of Jesus in the garden. And he tells the, the information in an in a immediate sort of way about how they came to arrest Jesus. <clears throat> but then he includes this other little piece. It's just two verses. Uh, if you have little titles in your, in your Bible, that, well, by the way, those titles weren't originally in the Scripture. But you know, it says, before that it was the arrest of Jesus, and after it it says, Jesus before the council. And then there's these two verses in between, 51 and 52 of chapter 14 of Mark, that just are there. It's part of what took place, but it's also kind of, why did he include that? I mean, it's kind of interesting, it's kind of a neat little thing, but why did he include it? It, it says, and a young man, let's hop to another spot, it says, a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Hmm. Young man followed him. Well, scholars have tried to figure out, well, who was this guy, this young man? In, in the book of Mark, he only read, uh, he only calls three people young man. One, we heard uh, a few weeks ago from Scott, the story of the rich young woman, which Mark calls a young man. He calls this person a young man. There's one other he calls a young man. When the women came to the tomb, 
they found a young man in a linen cloth standing, who we actually sitting on the stone in the little doorway. So, you know how the scholars are, they try to figure stuff out, and they just really, there's no evidence to tell us who this is. Is it the young man that was at the tomb in, in chapter 16, if you want to check that out? Is it the rich young ruler? Well, the place where the garden was, if you, if you know the layout of Jerusalem, Jerusalem sets on a hill. And then there's a little valley that goes down, and on the other side of the valley, there's orchards, and there's meadows that are there. In that area, there were some shepherds keep watching their sheep a few years before. And the angels announced Jesus. There are also olive trees there, the Garden of Olives, as they call it, that was in that place where, where Jesus was praying. And so there would have been people around. Lazarus' home was near there. It's thought that the rich young ruler's home was near there. Bethany. It was thought also that this young man may have been somebody who had been sleeping, watching the sheep, and he had just picked up the linen that he was sleeping in, and wanted to know what was going on. Could have been. Could have been. Could have been any of those. It could have been Mark himself. Because it's thought that the, the room, the upper room where the Last Supper was held, was in a house owned by a woman named Mary, who happened to be Mark's mother. Is it possible that this young man got up out of his bed and wrapped a little hot cloth around him? When these guys, these guys that everybody was talking about, Everybody was saying that there was something special about this Jesus. He would see maybe some of the miracles. He maybe even listened in on some of the things that he said there in the upper room. He heard some of the sermons, and when they went out, he just wrapped something around him, and he just kind of followed behind just to see what was going to happen. No one knows. Mark doesn't tell us. There's no place else in Scripture that can give us any idea. But whoever this young man was wanted to be close to what was going on. Wanted to hear, wanted to listen. Now, any, any Jewish person would understand that a linen cloth represented something for them. It meant purity. The priests would wear a special linen cloth so, so that there was no impurities that would be seen. Uh, they had gotten the idea of making linen when they were in captivity in Egypt because they would take the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, what is it, flax. And they made that into a special linen. Even today, Egyptian cotton is considered some of the best of any of the kinds of sheets that you ever want to have. And so linen to them would represent purity. Nakedness represented shame and slavery. And so we have these two things together in this little tiny passage. This idea, this symbolic understanding of purity and shame together. Now, when Mark ran away, or Mark, I put it right when whoever this young man ran away, uh, he ran away naked. So wherever he went, and it says he ran home. So imagine him showing up at home. Where are your clothes? <laughs> Why are you running around outside naked? What happened? Well, you see, there was these guys. You'd have to explain, right? There's no way he could get away without explaining. 
mean, that's quite an experience. Um, Mark is is the one who spent much time with Peter in order to write down the gospel. They say it's really Peter's gospel, but Mark just wrote it. Peter basically told it so that he could be written down. And so he spent a lot of time with Peter. We know in the garden that when they, all the arrest took place, what, what did the disciples do? They ran away. They ran away. They ran away. They scattered. They went to different places. So when Mark was writing all this down, did Peter tell him about this young man that ran away? <coughs> Doesn't seem logical, but could have been. Since Mark lived in the area, did he hear about it from somebody? And just add it in as a little extra? Hey, there's this guy that ran away naked. It's kind of funny. Or is there more to it than that? Because we also then see that. Paul and Barnabas set off on a missionary journey. One of the first. And they traveled to many other places. And Barnabas, whose name, if you know in, in Hebrew, anytime you see Bar at the start of the name, that means son of. Bar. And so what does novice mean? It means encouragement. So Barnabas was this, someone known as the son of encouragement. Can you imagine Kyle who's they give him that name? Oh, you can do it! You can do it! Come on, we can do it! We're all the time. Son of encouragement. You, you can make it. This is possible. We can do this. He happened to be Mary's brother. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of Mark. That's interesting. And he had this young man that he recommended to Paul that they take along because he thought he was a good kid. A good young man. And it says that this, this John Mark, in, in fact, in the passage where he's called to this, they call him John. But it's Mark. Or John. You choose. And it says that he came along to a system. So what that means is, he was to be there to sort of handle the travel plans and make sure that they had their ship to go to Mexico and sort of that they had a, a cart to hold all their stuff, and that they're going to be fed, and that he often would go to the next city ahead of them, think of that, and, and make everything right, and make everything ready, and give them rooms so that they had a place to stay, and so that they meet them when they got to town and introduce them to the people that he made the contacts with. That was Mark's job. And it says they got to this one place, and Mark went home. Just went home. You know, something again doesn't tell us why. Is it possible they got afraid going to these new places where the gospel hadn't reached? And here he was representing this gospel and he was the front man for Paul and Barnabas that they could come in and carry out their ministry in this new town. Do you think maybe he got afraid? I think it's possible that the young man got so afraid of all this stuff and all the possibilities and all the things that were around him and so many people clamoring around him and wanting to know what he was here for and why he was here. Who are you and who do you think you are? That maybe he just left. 
He just couldn't take it anymore. Couldn't take it anymore. That's possible, but it doesn't tell us that. It doesn't say that he left because he's afraid. It doesn't say that that, that was the case. Was he maybe frustrated? I don't know. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine the intensity of hanging out with somebody like Paul all the time? For me to live as Christ and die as game. Yeah, Paul, oh, that's good. You should write that down. I mean, think about it. Paul, after all. That would be so tiring. Over and over, day after day, all this immense information about the love and the grace and the goodness of God. Oh, Paul, just let me sleep. I don't know. Did he hear Paul preaching and think, oh, I wish I could do that. I just, I'm just not, I'm just not that. That's just not me. I just can't do it. Then he's got Barnabas saying, you can do it, Mark. You can. God is with you. God is good. You can do this stuff. I don't know. Do you think maybe he just said, I'm not this God. I mean, look at Paul and Barnabas. I'm not them. I'm sure I love God, but man, man, I'm never going to be one of these guys. I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't encourage. I just, I'm just, I'd like to just watch what happens and say with my stubby fingers. I don't know, maybe he got frustrated. It, to me, it seems that that would be possible. Maybe he just got tired. Maybe the fatigue just overcame him, doing all those travels, arranging all that stuff. Maybe he just got fatigued. I'm just not up to this. You guys need to find somebody else. I, I just can't do it. I gotta go home. I think that's possible. It says there, in Acts, the 15th chapter. This is after he left and made to come back home. They decided to go out on another trip, Paul and Barnabas. Uh, it says, uh, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord to see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them, gone on, gone on with them in the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Paul and Barnabas? The disagreement was so sharp that they split up over Mark. Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Paul, the, the speaker of the words of the, of the Holy Spirit that spoke on grace. They had such a sharp disagreement that they could not move forward. And they split up because of Mark. Poor Mark. How do you live with that? That's difficult. That's harsh. That would be something that you'd have to 
work your way through. You know, I'm sure when he came home, he had to explain why he left. He had to say what took place. He, he came home from that missionary journey and leaving Paul and Silas and Barnabas where they were at. He had to come home and say, man, I just, I just couldn't do it. It stripped away all those things of him being this person that was traveling with Paul and Barnabas in the company of these two men who were such leaders in the church, so important to what was going on in the kingdom of God. And he had to come up and explain that. And then he became the very person that split these two guys up. And it rose up a man named Silas and gave him an opportunity to travel with Paul and to preach and to teach and to write down the words that Paul spoke. It made a ministry possible for one that was not possible before. And it gave Mark the opportunity to travel with Barnabas and encourage churches in the places that Paul and Barnabas were before, to revisit those places where he had left the last time. It gave Paul and Barnabas the opportunity to go in different directions and to spread the word, to strengthen the churches, where if they had gone in one direction, it would only have been that the strength of the two of them together in those one place. They went in two different directions. And it increased the opportunity for ministry to exist. It's a harsh blessing. But maybe something to grasp. Maybe something to come to understand. It says in Peter, what does it say over there in Peter? First Peter chapter 5. Says, Paul is Peter is talking about final greetings in his letter. He's, he's essentially handing out blessings to those who have, who have participated in the ministry, who have encouraged the ministry, who have, who have helped the, the gospel to be preached in, in different places. And he's, and he's, he's, this is kind of a continuation of all of those things. He says, By Sylvanus, a, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you. Sylvanus, a faithful brother. You guys have probably heard Sylvanus' name mentioned before. He's, he's someone that was uh, a very helpful person. He wrote things down. He was a, a secretary. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a person that organized things. He was just really, really one of those important people that allowed someone like Peter to be able to carry on his ministry. He was so vital. Peter. He calls him a faithful brother. And he says, I've written to you about him briefly, and exhorting and declaring that this is the grace of God. Stand firm. Then he says, she who is in Babylon, who has likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark. Peter was not Mark's father. But he calls him his son. So Linus never ran away. Mark did. 
Mark found it hard to move forward. Mark had to explain failures. Mark, in many ways, had to live life thinking. You know what I mean? I don't mean physically thinking, I mean exposed. And throughout all history, he has to be that person who was exposed. And Peter calls him the son. Something changed. Something happened. I think Mark became Mark. Everything God created him to be. Everything God intended for his life to stand for. Everything God meant for Mark. So came to fruition. <coughs> under the tutor, Peter. Under the encouragement. And he became so important to Peter that Peter called him his own son. Mark never stood in front. Do you know what I mean? It's true. As he may have discovered on that first missionary journey, he was never going to be Paul. When he wrote the first gospel. He was never going to be Barnabas. But he gave encouragement to believers all over the world. Because he wrote down what Peter remembered. That we might know the miracles, the message, the wonder, the amazement of the Savior. Even Paul, even Paul, 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, he's, he's writing to Timothy, and for those of you that know, this is near the end of his life, or at least he believes it to be so. He believed that he had just a few, maybe months, even weeks to live. And you know, when you get to that time, your conversation changes. Things are stripped away. Only the important remains. You're able to talk about stuff you've never been able to talk about before. Because there may not, may not be enough time to talk about it, so talk about it now. It's possible to tell those that you love that you really love them. And the loved ones can tell them how much you meant to me. It's a harsh blessing. We're learning a little bit. So he's writing to Timothy to tell him, here's the, the things I just, I just want you to know. I just need you to know. I need to ensure that you can carry on going forward. And so he writes, do your best to come to me soon. Do your best to come to me soon. You know, Paul called Timothy his dear son in the face, as Peter called Mark. So he says, come as soon as you can. 
For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Wow. All these men, all these faithful servants, all these people who Paul had either written to or depended upon, they've all been deserting. He's in prison. He's reaching the end of his life, and they've deserted him, gone to other places. They've run away. They've run away. And he can't depend on them. Only Luke's get there. And he says, get Mark. Get Mark. And bring him with you. For he's very useful to me in my ministry. Very useful to me for my ministry. Get Mark. Even to add more weight to that request, he says, taking us, I have sent to him, he says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Campus, Arcus, and Troas, all the little books, and above all, the parchments. Paul is making a request to this dear, dear Timothy to bring the most important things and even some things that you would just find just totally human. Cloak, some books, and scrolls. Bring these things, but keep on. You know, we each of us, as this series is called, it's your call. Each of us have a call. God calls us to something. God calls us to something. He has a work for us. He has a purpose for our lives. First and foremost, to love us with all that He is and all that He has. That we might be with Him forever. And to prove He paid such a high price for us. Some people hear the call and the answer without hesitation, leaving their nets, as it says. Some hear the call and they say, well, can anything good come from heaven? Some hear the call and they wonder who it was that made it. But some just run away. Some want to be close, want to look in, see what's going on, hear what maybe is there. It's mysterious, it's, it's exciting, it's, it's something that I've never experienced before. I want to be with the cool kids. I want to be a part of this, but I, I don't know what that might mean to me. What might I have to give up? The rich young ruler couldn't give up, couldn't make promise, as it says. But we have Mark as an example, I think, more, I don't know, more I think more like us, a lot of us. I know, I mean, who stands so close to the very center of things itself, the truth itself, the, 
the absolute light of the gospel. But for reasons that we just can't necessarily understand, steps away. Let me think about this thing. What's this ultimately going to mean? What's this ultimately going to do? Oh, man. If I go there, that's going to change everything. I'm not sure about that. But I really want that. I need more information. No, that's not enough. I need somebody to tell me what it's all about. No, no, no. Mostly it's just about becoming and understanding that we're naked. And it's no longer shameful. It's no longer shameful to be exposed. It's no longer shameful to have everything wiped away. That we might become that which God intended. It's just stripped away. It's just stripped away. We don't know if that young man that in that garden that ran away was Mark, and he included it because he recognized if it wasn't him, here's a story about me. This is a story that, in two quick sentences, can encapsulate my whole life. I came with the idea of seeking purity, and I ran away in shame. But that shame itself made it possible for me to experience God's grace and God's power in my life. This is the story of Mark. And it may be your story too. And if it is, I encourage you. If Barnabas can encourage you, <laughs> you can do it. It is possible. Because you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. It doesn't matter what it is that you're currently having to face. It might include shame. It's possible. It might be public. It might be secret. It might be both. But if the life of Mark can encourage you, Amazing things happen when you go away naked. Right before he had sin entered the world, it said that Adam and Eve were naked and they knew no shame. And Christ came to remove our shame. Heavenly Father, we ask that you speak into each life. That they might hear your message, your call on their life, wherever they're at, doesn't mean necessarily that your calling will cause them to stand before others, but it might. It might mean that it calls them to a higher level of knowing you. <clears throat> that the things that separate are torn away that we can stand naked before you and feel no shame because you have removed our sins. You have removed our difficulties. You have removed our shame. And so, Lord, we ask 
for that to be your truth. As we pray in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Be blessed in the Lord today.